You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Uh, We're continuing in our study of Ephesians, and uh, we're going to wrap up Ephesians chapter 4. Last week we had a little fun uh, with Kim Chu. Uh, Paul, in uh, in Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, had walked us through... some of the some of the things, some of the sins that are pretty that were pretty prevalent in the church, and he was telling them to to take those things off. And Paul kind of used this language of putting clothing on and taking clothing off, like you would if you're getting dressed. And he was saying when you when you come to Christ, there's this process that God does of taking off sinful layers. And Kim came up here with like 20 layers of clothes, and he just kept shedding clothes and shedding clothes. And and that's the way that, that God works in our life, right? If if you guys have walked with with the, with Jesus for a while. It's a process of him working, working you over, you know, and, and really painfully sometimes uh, making you more like him, uh, like, like Jesus. So that was last week's message, and we talked about the things that need to be taken off, a callous heart, uh, sensuality, greed, impurity of, of all kinds, um, just a hard-heartedness to the ways of God. Well, this week, Paul's going to say, he's going to keep doing that a little bit, but this time he's going to say, as you take things off, I want you to put these things on. So we take off lying and we put on truth, right? That's, the, that's what this message is going to be about as we kind of follow, follow his outline. And it's pretty interesting, the things that he is going to call them to put on, these are the, the things that, that are, are, are good for us as Christians, that make us more like, like Jesus, everything he mentions has to do with, it's something that you can do for somebody else in community. It's not just something that you can do as individually in your relationship with God. And that's pretty fascinating. When Paul comes to talking about the things that, that we put on, right? He, he's saying, hey, I want you to walk in a certain way. I want you to live your daily lives out in a certain way. And here's what that looks like. Everything he mentions has to do with my relationship with you guys inside of the church, Right? So to Paul, to walk in obedience to God, living lives of worship, has a lot more to do about the way that we interact with one another. It's not just about the way that we interact with God. Although those are good things, right? But when we think of worship or living lives of worship, I think many times our automatic response is to think about just me and God and my relationship with God, right? We think about prayer, right? Good thing. Praying to God, we think about worship, singing to God, me reading the scriptures. And a lot of times we, we kind of have this real narrow view of what it means to follow Jesus. And it's all about me as an individual and my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul's going to say, well, that, that's great. He's talked a lot about that at the beginning of Ephesians, right? That we were adopted into God's family, that he came and he got us. You know, he made us part of the family. But when it comes to living lives of worship, it's more about us modeling to each other what we receive from God. Okay, so Bill Clem in his book Identity says it like this. When we reflect God's thinking and mirror the mercy and comfort that God has shown us, this is worship. So let me say that when we reflect God's thinking and mirror the mercy that we've received from God, that's what worship is. Reflecting God's thinking and extending mercy is not something that I do to God, right? I extend mercy, I extend mercy to you guys and you extend mercy to one another inside of the church. That's what it means to live lives of worship. 
So as he starts to pick just certain things that need to be taken off and put on, you guys need to think about it in the context of your relationship with one another inside, inside of the church. So see where he's going with this? Make sense? Okay. Um, so the things that he's going to list here uh, in verses 25 through 32, he's going to say, take off lying and put on truthfulness. Take off uncontrolled anger, put on controlled anger. Take off stealing, put on hard work. Take off filthy talk, put on edifying talk, and take off a bitter heart and put on a tender heart. So those would be the five, the, um, the five uh, things that he calls us to put on that we're going we're gonna to walk through today. So we're going to read this passage of Scripture. It's in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. And, uh, and I would invite you guys, if you can, to stand up as we read the Word. If you don't have a Bible, uh, it's up here on the screen and you can, you can follow along. And then stay standing afterwards because we're going to have a word of prayer. Um, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you uh, wanting to hear from you today. Uh, God, I pray that you would uh, remove me uh, in any way that you need to. Um, to, uh, to have your word shared. Father, I, I truly do desire that we hear from you and we hear from your word um, because, uh, God, it's not, it's not my heart, my uh, words that change our hearts, it's yours. And so we want our hearts to be uh, softened today uh, to any sinfulness, anything that we need to take off, uh, anything that, that uh, represents our old life. Uh, God, may we lay that aside today and then uh, may we put on the truth of your word, this, this new identity that we have in Jesus Christ, and may that define us. And Father, I also pray for our kids right now as they continue to, uh, to study through the Gospels. Father, would you open their hearts and their minds to uh, your amazing grace and your amazing love. So we ask this in the name of the Son. Amen. You guys have a seat. So Paul starts off this section with the word therefore, and when we see that, we always ask what it's there for. Everything Paul had just talked about, hey, this is, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. He just said, put on the new creation, put on the, the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness or holiness. And he's just not going to say that and then not explain to you what this new creation looks like. He's going to unpack it for us in 25 through 32. So he says, therefore, all of this that I've just said, the first thing that I want you to take off is falsehood. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So what in the world is he talking about here? Well, falsehood's lying. And so you're like, well, no, duh. Like, I, I know I'm not supposed to lie. We, we get that in, in our culture. It's not, it's not supposed to be a part of, of who we are. But I think there's a, a subtlety to lying that kind of creeps into the church. The thing about Paul is he doesn't always give us examples about what he's talking about. He doesn't say put away lying and, and hey, you, uh, you know, this guy in the church, remember when you lied to that guy and about this business arrangement? 
don't do that. He just says, put away lying. So we have a little bit of freedom to, to try to understand, well, what is he talking about? Like, like, we can look at our church today, we can look at our lives and say, what does is, what is lying look, at, look like in my life? And I, I think one of the areas that I see uh, lying um, in, the, in the church comes in the form of fakeness. Um, we have to stop pretending, right, that everything is okay. Uh, that's our, 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 our sinful tendency as fallen human beings is to, is to hide, right? That's what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden when they sinned. They, they, hid, they hid themselves away, and, and we've kind of inherited that from Adam. We have that same sinfulness. So when someone comes up to you and says, hey, how's, how's like I'll go to Paul. I'll say, hey, how's life going, Paul? Many times Paul, not in the scriptures, that's Paul. Uh, many times Paul, his automatic response is like, oh, yeah, things are, things are good, right? Things are great. Well, but in reality, when you look at your life, it's not always great, is it? Or it's not always good. And we kind of, we kind of hide behind our words. Or, or maybe someone will, will come to you and say, uh, if you're a guy, and, and say, hey, man, how's, that, how's the, the struggle with lust going? You know, have you been keeping your mind pure? And, and, and they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's been good. You know, when in reality, you're just ashamed. And so you won't share with, what, with, the, with the truth of, of the sin that you're battling with in your life. And we need to understand that, that sin is like mold. And if, if, we, if we don't take care of it, it just festers and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And by the time that it's so bad that it's overflowing everywhere, you ever seen mold just run rampant? I saw it in a couple of apartments when I had apartment maintenance. You know, people just ignore it, ignore it. And by the time they called me, it was a nightmare. You know, we had to get in there and do some gutting of walls, you know, and ripping out of, ripping out of carpet. That sin's the same way in our life. When we hide, it just gets worse and worse. And it gets to this point where we can't even deal with it. And we have to allow other people into our lives to help us. So I think that's the, the lying that Paul's talking about here. I mean, there's the obvious lying. Don't lie to one another. But also for us, let's be honest in our relationships. Let's be honest in our struggles. Let's, let's confide in one another and, 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 and share, share life with one another. Paul listed in, in uh, last week's message the, the three things that we become callous to. Greed, right? Sensuality, and sexual immorality. Those are the things that we've built up this resistance to allowing other people into our life. This, we just say, no, that's, just, that's mine to deal with. But Paul's breaking that down. He said, no, let's, let's take that off. Let's take off this lying and let's, let's put on truthfulness. And, and I imagine you're sitting there and you may be saying, look, I'm not going to air out my dirty laundry in front of everybody. You're like, what's the point? Can I just like, if I, if I sin, can I just like talk to God about that? Anybody else like that? Like, I don't want to air my dirty laundry out in front of, in front of a bunch of other people. Um, it's interesting that Paul says why we're supposed to be honest with one another, why we're supposed to be truthful with one another. And look in 25 there. He says, speak the truth with your, with your neighbor, for we are members of one another. That's why we're supposed to confess our, our sin together. Remember when, when, when Paul walked through in chapter 2, who we are now in Christ Jesus. He said, you were alienated from God. You were separated from God. You were far off from God. You guys remember all that language as we, as we walk through it? And then he said, now that, that God's come to you and he's forgiven you, you were dead in your trespasses. Now you've made whole through Jesus Christ. He says, you're no longer aliens. You're no longer stra- strangers, but you're fellow citizens of the household of God. That was 219. Because now together... We make up the dwelling place of God, right? 
In the Old Testament, God dwelled in the temple. In the New Testament, his spirit dwells inside of us. And so if we're not able to be honest with one another, it's going to create disunity in the place that God dwells. God is going to use me in you guys' life, and he's going to use you in my life to make me more like him. He's going to use us together. And so if we're lying or we're not honest, we're affecting God's ability to work inside of us as a body. That's the picture that God paints of us, is you're one body. So let's be, let's be honest together. Let's be honest in our relationships. All of, these, um, all of these things that Paul calls them to take off and to put on, he's going to reference Old Testament passages for every one of them. It's word-for-word Old Testament passages. So these are timeless truths of God's word, right, of what it means to be his people. So this one with truth and lying, it came from, from Zechariah 8.16, and you can go read that uh, separately. But in, in the context in the book of Zechariah, Zechariah is talking about what the people of God will be known for. In, in the future. So the people are, are coming out of exile and he's talking about this new Jerusalem, these new people that are going to be formed, right? And he says they will be known as a people of truth. And the place that they dwell will be known as a city of truth. So God is not only using truth to sanctify us together, he's using truth to model to the world what it means to be his people. He says the, the, the world is going to look in and what they're going to see in this new people is a people of truth, a city of truth. And so the world is meant to look at us and see truth, right? Not just in what we say, but in the way that we talk to one another. And, and I think this is an amazing case of why we should not shy away from being honest with one another in the, in the presence of unbelievers, Right? Like when you're in home, think about your home community. When you guys are all in home community and you've got that group that really clicks together, that you've been together with a while, it's easy to share truth in that group, isn't it? But then when someone comes in from the outside, does that group tend to shy away from truth as much? I know my home community does. It's like we have a visitor and we're like, okay, I'm not going to say anything real personal right now because I don't want it to be awkward for that person, you know, to be in this group. But God's saying, no, that you will be known for what you say around one another. Right? That's, what, that's what Jesus said. He said, you, you'll be known for the way that, that, that uh, you'll be known for my, being my disciple in the way that you love one another, in the way that you have conversations together. So I would hope that at some point in my home community particularly, that when my neighbors come, that we would have just as honest conversations together in the community as when they're not there. And that would be a sign to them of what it means to be the people of God. So let's put off lying. Let's, let's take that off. Let's take off hiding right? Let's put on truthfulness in our relationships with one another because we're members of the same body. Second thing that he's going to talk about here, he's going to say, be angry and do not sin. This is in 26. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So Paul's going to see anger as an appropriate response at times, but it shouldn't be a characteristic of one's life. So what's what's he talking about here? What what is uncontrolled anger? Uh, I think uncontrolled anger uh, particularly what I see it many times is it comes out of uh, unforgiveness, right? You get sinned against, which happens all the time. Remember, we're talking about inside of the community here. You get sinned against, and, uh, and then you're not willing to extend forgiveness to that person, and then anger just starts to fester. You know, it just, it just starts getting 
getting, getting worse and worse. That's why as a church, our focus this month is peacemakers, you know, and, and particularly what part of peacemakers, what's our activity about this month? Anybody done it yet? Forgiveness. That's the whole point of it. I had to do it this week as I was preparing this message. There was some bitterness in my heart, some unforgiveness. And I had to get that, that, uh, that sheet of paper out that Royce. And I had to work through that process and pray and repent of some unforgiveness that was going on in my life. Because that unforgiveness was manifesting itself in anger. And I, and I start to stew on stuff. And I just keep getting angrier and angrier and angrier. That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, no, let's, let's put away this uncontrolled anger. Let's, let's extend forgiveness to one another. Right? We should be known as a people that can forgive because we've been forgiven of much, right? I don't expect the world to, give, to extend to me forgiveness, but I expect inside of this church that we're a forgiving people, that we're a people that extend grace because we've received much grace. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I've received from the Father? That's then what I, what I, what I give to you guys. So let's trade off that, that uncontrolled anger, the bitterness. And, and let's, let's extend forgiveness and find peace. So I encourage you guys, at the end of this month, we're having a family gathering. Every fifth Sunday, we do family gatherings. And what we're going to be talking about during our preaching time is this activity of going through a process of forgiveness. And so I want you guys to come up and share during the teaching time about how you've had to go through this process. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, on the way out, stop by the Connect booth. We have an activity that we're doing together as a church where we're working through a process of, of, of forgiveness and how to do that. And then I'd love to hear from some of you guys at the end of the month of, of you having to, to walk through that process and, and, extend, and extend forgiveness. So um, it's interesting. So Paul, that, he says, you know, take off uncontrolled anger and then put on uh, an appropriate anger which is kind of weird, like what, what's he talking about here? So uh, Paul doesn't specif- uh, specify an appropriate occasion for anger. But once again, we can look at the Old Testament passage that he's referring to and get kind of a, a clue at what he's going at. So in this passage, he's referring to Psalm 4.4. And write that down, take a look at that later. And in the context of Psalms, it's one of the Psalms written by David. David is talking about... about um, uh, getting rid of idols that have, that have crept into the, into the kingdom, right, and, into, the, into the people's lives. So he's expressing a, dist, a distress over the people's pursuit of idols, and, it, and he's angry over the idols that are, in their, that are in their lives. When we look at the Old Testament, can we see God being angry over idols? Yeah, all the time, right? When we look at Jesus, can we see Jesus being angry over idols? Yeah, he does that. So why would we think that we couldn't also express anger over the idols that are, that are in the lives of the church? You know what I'm talking about? We can make a biblical case for that. He's saying, hey, put away unrighteous or uh, uncontrolled anger, then put on a, a controlled anger. When I see my brother or sister in sin, an appropriate response to that is anger. Now, it's not the only response. It's, it's meant to be in love, right? That's the whole point of chapter 5 that we're going to get to. But I don't, think, I don't think we ever look at sin. I don't, when, when Doug confesses sin, is there a, a, a righteous anger, a discontent that I have for that in his life? And me hating that sin and wanting to love my brother and walk with him through a process of, of repenting that? Or do I just give lip service to sin in each other's lives? 
God, God never did that when I, when I see the scriptures. What we see modeled in, in God and in Jesus, we should also do in the face of evil. We should be indignant, not tolerant, angry, not apathetic. If God hates sin, his people should hate sin. If evil arouses its anger, it should arouse our anger, particularly inside of the community called the church. Be grieved about sin. Do not give it permission inside of the church. And this is hard because this isn't natural to us. So we're going to have to learn how to do this as a church. And it's going to come from, from me caring about you enough to not just be content with where you are, but to love you enough to walk with you in this journey of, of seeing that sin taken off in your life. Now, I just want to make a, a quick point. Um, this passage of Scripture is one that fundamentalists use to justify their angry response to the world. You know the God hates fag signs? You see those guys in the news all the time? And they protest or when soldiers come back from Iraq and all this stuff like that. They have a very poor understanding of the scriptures, first off. Paul is saying inside of the church, we should never approach the world in anger, right? God didn't approach the world in anger but there is a righteous anger that we can have inside of the church because we love one another. You see where I'm going with this? So I just wanted to make that really clear because I don't want you to leave this place thinking that we can go out and be those angry Christians that protest everything. But we, we do have every permission from the word and modeled in Jesus Christ to be angry about sin. So Paul says, hey, take off the, take off the uncontrolled anger, the, the anger that comes from unforgiveness and bitterness in your life, and put on a controlled anger that, that uh, you care about one another enough to address sin in their lives. Third thing he's going to address here in verse 27. He says the reason that we should take off uncontrolled anger. Um, oh, first point, he says, uh, be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. He says, hey, there needs to be a timeline to this. And when you get sinned against, don't let it just go on and on. You need to address it. And it doesn't mean that by the end of the day you have to address it. But Paul's saying you need to address anger and resentment. Don't let it keep going, especially inside of the church, because it's going to create more and more disunity. So when you get sinned against, make it a priority to talk to that person and, and love them and work through that. He says, because if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Um, he says, you will give an opportunity to the devil if you don't address anger in your life. So the word opportunity, I don't know. How, my Bible said opportunity. Um, I think a, a few... Uh, a few Bibles may say, don't give the devil a chance. Uh, Paul is using spatial language here. He's not using circumstantial language as much. He's saying, don't give Satan room to come in to your life by not addressing the anger when, when you get sinned against. It's pretty interesting, right? It's just one more reason why we should, why we should deal with anger. Um, Paul's already in, in Ephesians. He's called Satan the ruler of the realm of the air, which is... He means the earth, not heaven. Satan is the ruler here. He says it's the spirit that is now powerfully working in the sons of disobedience. That was in Ephesians 2.2. We know from Scripture that Satan roams the earth like a roaring lion looking at whom he will devour. Right? Satan is not omnipresent like God. He can't be everywhere. But he does have legions of demons that do his dirty work for him. And those demons like him, it says literally, roam the earth looking for space to come in. 
And space is created when you have anger and resentment. You have all the sinfulness that you've hardened your heart to the ways of God. You're callous against, against extending forgiveness to someone else. Your anger, and, and literally it says it's like a warm blanket for Satan to come in and do what he wants to do. And affect our minds, right? I've seen this happen in my life, right? I've had anger that's festered and it's led to other things and, and other sins. Because I'm not willing to, to take that off and lay it at the feet of Jesus. See, our, our hearts are inhabited by the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of God, Paul's going to talk about that in just a little bit. He's going to say that you're sealed. God's Spirit's come in. God said that you're mine, right? So we know that God's Spirit lives inside of us. And we don't really understand how that works exactly. But it's doing this work of, of, of convicting sin and, and leading us. What well, says that when we have anger in our life, it kind of suppresses the work of the Holy Spirit and allows this room for Satan to then come in and do the exact same thing. To create disunity. Man, that was kind of eye-opening for me. One more really good reason of why I need to take that off. I need to take off that anger. Because I don't want to allow Satan an opportunity to come in and work inside of my mind and inside of my heart. So Paul, is he's just keenly aware that there's a spiritual war that's been raging since before the earth, the earth was created. And, and he wants to address that. He wants us to, hey, church, take the blinders off and realize that Satan's powerfully at work. Don't give him an opportunity to come in and work in your life. So um, then the next thing he's going to go toward here in, uh, in verse 28, he's going to say, hey, here's another thing to take off. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So apparently in the, new, in the church in Ephesus, they had a problem with stealing, um, which I don't see that in the church a whole lot. That's pretty awesome. I appreciate you guys aren't stealing stuff from the, from the church. Um, but it's interesting what he tells them to replace stealing with. So take off stealing. No, duh. We're not supposed to steal. That's, that's good to know. But then he makes this connection between then putting on hard work. So he connects stealing with hard work, which is interesting, Right? So he's exhorting them to not only stop stealing, but then replace that with something else, which is hard work. Hard work is, uh, is when, when someone's hardworking, they can provide for themselves. But they can also provide for a lot of other people, can't you, when you work hard? Macker can provide for himself, because he can also provide for his kids, you know, because he's hardworking. He's not just selfish thinking about himself. As opposed to the thief only steals enough to take care of himself, doesn't he? Unless he's Robin Hood, granted. But the rest of the thieves, they just steal for themselves and for their own needs and for their, and for their own desires. So he's saying, you know what a thief is? It's a lazy person that only provides for themselves. Oh, man. Is that what he's talking about? Hang on. Like, like I, I work hard. Like, can't, is it, can't I just, like, enjoy the fruit of my labor and just take care of myself? No. That's something that has to be taken off. Paul's saying, hey, work hard and be generous. Take care of other people. That's the connection. Like we're a part of a body. So I work hard. And when CJ has a need, I'm there, right? I, I'm, I'm there to provide for him. I'm not just like, you know, CJ's like, I'm having a problem paying my bills. And I'm like, hey, CJ, I'll pray for you. You know, prayer's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But it's more than that. That's, when I look at the New Testament church in, in Acts 2, you remember what happened is, is there were people that had a lot. They had houses and land. And what did they do? They sold it because there were people inside of the church that had needs. And they cared about them. Right? 
Katie's like, I need somebody to watch the boys so me and Brian can get away. We should jump at that opportunity to serve Brian and Katie, you know, and to help them. We need to be thinking about one another and thinking about how what God has given me and how I can use that for you guys to serve you guys. So, so take off stealing, obviously, but let's, let's put on hard work and, and serving one another inside of the church. And, and I truly believe that by doing this, by us working hard and being generous, the world will know that we're Christ's disciples. That's what Jesus said in John 13, 35. The world will know that you're my disciples when you love one another and you take care of one another. The next thing he says, take off in verse 29. I want you guys to let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So we're to take off filthy talk and we're to replace that with edifying talk. And uh, what in the world is he talking about here? Um, I've heard this be justified, this verse used, to, to like, we should not curse. No more cursing, Christians, right? I had a guy in seminary that didn't like some of my language that I used. And it says, it says, use edifying talk. What are you, what are you talking about? He's talking about community here. Like, you know, like, what, what is the edifying talk that affects the community? It's the, it's the words that we share with one another when we're together. Right? He, he, says, he says, put on, take off this filthy talk. Right? What he means is pointless talk. And then put on, put on a, a wholesome talk that builds up and that fits the occasion. So it's the time that we're together. We should be using that time together to speak truth into one another's lives. Not having pointless conversations. When we're together in community and someone shares about something that's going on in our life, we have this beautiful opportunity to affirm them, right? To speak the truth of God's word, to be a gospel-fluent people where, where someone shares about life and then someone else says, hey, let me take the truth of God's word and, and, speak, and speak it into your life. That's the heart at what God's, um, that's the heart at what, at what Paul is trying to get here is, is use the opportunity that you have to speak the truth of God's words when we're together. Don't just, don't just miss out on an occasion because we're, we're, I don't know, too lazy to deal with the issues, right? This is a conviction that's come out of a couple of home communities, and, and Mallory's going to share a little bit about this in a minute, not right now. Um, but there's a couple of our home communities that said, you know what, we need to make better time. Uh, we need to make better use of the time that we have together as a community. What are we doing during that time? When we meet in each other's homes, we speak in truth, right, into each other's lives, are we dealing with conflict? Are we, are we making the most of every opportunity? That's what, that's what it means to put on God, is to put on, put on this, this, this people that speak truth and love into each, other, each other's lives. So let's, uh, let's, um, let's, let's wrap ourselves in that. Let, let's clothe ourselves in being a people, a people of truth so that we can give grace on the occasions when it, when it comes up. Uh, the, the, the next thing he's going to talk about here is he's going to say, and, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when we, like I said a minute ago, when we um, don't deal with anger and resentment in our hearts, when we have unedifying uh, talk in our mouths, when we're lying to one another, when there's uncontrolled anger, when, we're, when there's laziness inside of the church, he says that grieves the Spirit of God whom you were sealed with for the day of redemption. So when you became a Christian, God gave you a part of himself called the Holy Spirit as a seal. He said, that one's mine. 
That one belongs to me. And one day I'm coming back for them and they're going to live with me, right? And it says that that gift that was given to us by God, when we participate in these old ways of our lives, the lying and the anger and the unrighteousness and the impurity, it says it grieves the Spirit of God. It's pretty, pretty interesting to think about that, that God has emotions. That there's a person of the Trinity, a personhood of God, right? The Holy Spirit that physically is grieved when we sin. Wow, that's one more reason of why we as a church should pursue holy living as God's people. Because I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. I don't want to allow Satan to come in and create disunity in, in my mind and my family. I don't want to sin against my brother and sister. I don't want to isolate. I'm going to repent of those things. Our activity, as I gave you guys when uh, on, the, on the back little stool there, there's an activity that you can do when you go home today. And one of the things is, hey, what does it look like to take off all of these things that Paul listed? The lying, the bitterness, the anger, the wrath, the malice. What, is it, what would it look like to repent of those things in, in our lives? And then to put on these new these new ways of God, the truthfulness, the honesty in our relationships. So grab that on the way out today. And I really want you to spend some time really thinking through what it looked like in our life because we, we want to be a people that are able to reflect God to the world. But it's going to happen through this process of taking on, of, of putting on and taking off. So, so we're supposed to take off all of those things, not to, grieve the, not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And this is the last thing he tells us to take off. He says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. All of those have to do with speech, right? And the relationship that we have with one another. Um, He pretty much says, stop yelling and fighting, right? Inside of the church. Anybody been there? Anybody been in that church? (laughs) I know, it's it's rough, right? I love that this is not a characteristic of our church, that I don't, I don't see bitterness inside of this church. I used to, right? I used to see fighting and quarreling and issues not being dealt with. And I lost a lot of friends over it over the years. But you know what's changed? God's changing our hearts. He's elevating our love for one another. Sure, there's less of us than there used to be. But there's a genuine love that we have for one another. And when we sin against one another, our automatic response isn't bitterness and malice and slander. It's reconciliation, right? It's grace, patience. We've replaced those things. So we're learning as the people of God to deal with conflict when it comes up in our church. And and I believe that we're healthier because of that, because we're a people who have taken off. So I just want to affirm you guys, I'm seeing this happen in our church. I'm seeing us be a people of peace, not a people of of, uh, bitterness. There's not gossip in our church like there used to be. Praise God, right? So he, he's definitely doing a work here. So Paul said, hey, take that stuff off. That doesn't represent my kingdom. And here's what I want you to, to put on in replace of that. I want you to put on kindness, be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So I'm going to have Mallory come up and share about uh, something that happened at the women's retreat that she is taking back to her home community. And it's a desire for her to, 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 to want to lead her home community in honest relationships, right? Tenderness, genuine relationships with one another. So Mallory's going to come up. And, uh, and if she's nervous, 
We're just so grateful that she's willing to do this, right? Come on, Mallory. Good job. Okay, so I think God put the same exact message in my heart that Josh was talking about. You're talking everything about what's um, God's put in my heart to share. But uh, at the women's retreat, we studied the Lord's Prayer. And uh, the part of the prayer that really touched me was to forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. So while we were at the retreat, God moved in my heart to have two different conversations where I felt the need to confess bitterness and sin that I'd held on to and to seek forgiveness from my sisters at the retreat. Uh, And it was so scary to do that. And those conversations were filled with uh, tears and later hugs and prayers. Um, But I also realized how powerful that confession is, that... um, Without confessing, I'm believing the lies that Satan's told me and being isolated in that. And when I confess out loud to my sisters and to my community that it destroys that power that God had in the lies over my heart. Um, And it also is a blessing and makes our relationships sweeter. And uh, our home community just had really intimate conversation and um, lots of confessing and being honest and vulnerable and praying for each other and hugging and laughing and crying. Um, So that was really special at the retreat. And then as a result of that, we had a conversation about um, wanting more of that intimacy in our Wednesday night gatherings. And uh, we, we were really good at hanging out with each other and having fun and laughing and joking and being involved in each other's lives. Um, But we're sometimes not as good at, um, confessing our sin, how we've sinned against God, um, asking each other really hard questions. We're not good at using scripture to confront and encourage each other, um, and not very good at uh, encouraging each other and challenging each other to actively turn back in repentance and then hold each other accountable for that. Um, so we talked about really wanting that in our home community, and I think that we realize it's easy to avoid that vulnerability because it's hard and it's challenging and uncomfortable and we allowed having fun which is good to become a higher priority and haven't developed that depth that God's wanting our community to have so after the retreat we came back and talked about this with the whole home community and um and all of us uh said what we really thought that intimacy would look like and came up with some ideas to hopefully foster more of that. Uh, First one is all of us being on time, which is hard for us to do. Um, And so we can actually invest in real conversation. Um, But also we're having somebody be um, the facilitator asking questions and really paying attention to who's talked and encouraging everyone to participate. Um, Somebody to record everything people share so we can be praying for each other during the week. And um, and most of all, um, we're praying that God will continue to change our hearts so that we're not avoiding that vulnerability, but that God's putting a desire in us to pursue deeper spiritual intimacy with each other because we've seen um, the fruits of that and how our obedience can be blessing each other and, like Josh said, showing uh, the community around us what it means to be Christian.
I, I love when, when God places a desire on someone's heart and then he confirms it in like multiple people. And he knew we'd be in Ephesians right now as a church and, and the same thing were going on. So, so it, it's pretty cool to see God working. Uh, he's doing the same thing in our home community. A couple of ladies came back and said, hey, we're not, we're not doing this, you know. Like we've settled for a sadder version than what God has really called us to as his people. And so there's that, that tenderness, right, which is a good thing. Where we, we start to confess sin, my heart, my callous heart's being softened, right? That, that's, that's tenderness, and, and Mallory was saying the whole thing, we're forgiving one another, you know? Which takes a real honest relationship and conversations with, uh, with one another. And uh, there's kindness. I th- we think about each other throughout the week. It doesn't, it's not just a Sunday thing or a, a Wednesday night thing, but there's a genuine desire for the relationship. So th- that's what it means to be the people of God. Right? But in the world will know us by these things. So why do, why do we do this? Why, do we, why the kindness? Why the forgiveness? Why the, the tenderheartedness? Look what he says at the very end here. As God and Christ forgave you. There, there's our, our motivation for what we're doing. When we come to these tables and we take communion every week, we remember that forgiveness was extended to us. God's kindness reached down to me. Right? Because I was... I was uh, without hope, man, in my own ability. I was far off from God. And he came to me in kindness and in tenderness. And he forgave me of my sins. So we remember that when we come to the table. But then we don't just stop there. We leave this place and then we reflect all of those things that we're learning onto everyone else. Right? I reflect the forgiveness that I've received to God onto you guys by extending you forgiveness, by extending you mercy. I reflect the love of God by loving my neighbors and loving this community and loving my coworkers. And that's how the world is going to come in to then know who God is. It's through you guys. And so us doing this. So we're going to spend some time now uh, worshiping God in response to this. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you to, to pray, pray for your heart. Pray for the hearts of each other in this room. If there's any sin that needs to be confessed, we get an amazing opportunity to do that. Uh, and then we get to, to leave this place and to stay in community together and to demonstrate all that we're receiving from Jesus Christ. And we're not perfect at it, right? We've got some, some improvement to make. But that's a work that God's doing. So I can, conf- I can come in confidence trusting that he's using us as a community. So let's pray. Let's worship. Let's give our tithes and offerings uh, to the Father. Uh, Lord God, we come before you uh, as always. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word. I thank you for what you're doing. I find so much comfort in knowing that that Holy Spirit that, that sealed us is also powerfully at work among us. It's, it's working in, in our home communities from our, just the confession that you heard uh, today. Uh, Lord God, and, I, and as I pray, as, as we repent of sin in our lives and we reconcile relationships and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it, w- it would push Satan out of our lives and it wouldn't give him room to come in and create uh, more disunity and more conflict. As we elevate you and we focus more on you, uh, we think less and less of Satan and his ways and the, and the, the, the ways of the world. And, uh, and we just have confidence in knowing that you're doing that. So, uh, Father, we know that you hear our songs now as we sing to you because of Jesus Christ. As we, as we take communion, uh, we remember the amazing work that you did of forgiving us, of, uh, of, of bringing us back to you. And, and our songs reflect that and, and our uh, giving reflects that. And, uh, and so we just come before you in confidence asking all these things in the name of the Son. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, 
please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.